Welcome to The Open Door Policy. Each week on this podcast, we sit down with a different guest and talk about a letter. Archbishop Vigneron's Unleash the Gospel Pastoral Letter. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. All right. Be about it. Each guest we have on this show we think is living it out in a new and exciting way. We turn the Open Door Policy microphone on for Mary Wilkerson on this episode. Hear how she balances her ministry and witnessing to the world with being a mom of five kids and being a wife. Danielle Center, how are you? What up? Living my best life. What is God doing in your life? Well, something cool that happened recently is I have three brothers, as you know, and one of them got married. Hey. And it was really cool to be at his wedding. And, nice. Uh, yeah. And I especially like the part, I'm not... Father do, Steve do you is, like the girl he married? Yeah, she's awesome. Father Steve is like a super crier. I'm not a crier. <laughs> oh, are you a super crier? <laughs> no, that no, is not cried, information I know. He cried once In when Joe grade. Montana got hurt. Got injured. Wow. Anyway. Okay, so, that kind of stuff can be heartbreaking. Yeah, I usually, I mean, I cry once in a while, but yeah. I us, not usually at mass and usually not at wedding masses because I'm just happy. But the psalm was um, that God has done great things and we are filled with great joy. And I was like, bless up. It was super beautiful. So that was my grace. Awesome. Day <gasps> oh, gracias. Good. Yeah. That is a good one. And Mary Wilkerson being with Hi. us what is up, a grace queen? for I'm both of us. so excited. <laughs> Here we are. Do you want to jump into rapid fire questions? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Okay. Number one, okay, what go. is your most used emoji? Oh, I'm not good with the emojis. I don't use a lot of them, but the one that I use quite often is the one, it's a smiley face with like really big teeth for awkwardness. Like I, I, always. Okay. Yeah. What would be your walk-up music? Anything hip-hop. Okay. Hold it now. All right, Mary, what is your favorite piece of religious art? Ah, good question. So I don't know art, um, like titles and artists, but there is a picture of St. Joseph Mm. holding Jesus while the Blessed Mother sleeps in the background. Yes. And I am married to a man who um, is wonderful in a lot of ways, but like his best quality, one of them, is when we've had our children, he is the one that gets up in the middle of the night with them. I don't. And that's very like rare, I think, Mm -hmm. when I talk to other moms. And so the picture really reminds me of my husband. Awesome. I just made a little Father's Day gift with it. So we'll see if he likes it. Mary, Mary, what do you think is overrated? (laughs) So much stuff. (laughs) question. Anything hipster and beards. (laughs) Beards. Oh, Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh my well, gosh. Well, thanks for being on the podcast. And, uh, so, legit have a good came night. out of my mouth before I was like acknowledged. I think I would have it's chosen okay to know that it's overrated. All right, all right, okay. let, what get... literary character would you want to be your friend? Um, Literary character that I would want to be my friend, Frodo, next. All right, then keep your secrets. Okay, good. What season would you be? Fall. Yeah. Good. I'm overthinking. Okay, <laughs> no problem. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Mm. In our house, we have a motto, big men become big by doing things they don't want to do when they don't want to do them. So I think of that and use it often. What's your favorite Bible story? I think when Mary sees the resurrected Jesus and does not recognize him. Awesome. What non-traditional pet would you have? A monkey. Good. Awesome. Dude, so fun. (laughs) Yes. So let's go back to 
the beard. <laughs> I just my does, husband, does your has, husband not have a beard? He has like a crazy beard. Does he really? Oh my gosh, yeah. Just and there's yeah, it's it's awesome. so yeah. I I wasn't looking at Father Steve when I said a beard. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have said it. But I just think you know how there's like a whole like culture about like beard and yeah. like beard balm and beard. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't get it. <laughs> beard, I don't know. Like beard <laughs> and like, you know, and beard. I don't know. It's facial hair. And there's a lot of men in my life that are growing like, including my husband, like really long ones. Like Moses style. It's like enough. Just enough. Just and yours isn't like that. I mean, I, if it was, <laughs> this I, is like recovery I'm, here. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, hipster beards. Cool. I'm over him. And Frodo Baggins, love him, love him, love the whole story. But his perseverance in times of darkness is that so. from Harry Potter? Uh, dude, did you just? Is he? <laughs> wow. No, he's lying. Wow. I just yeah. called I, him I'm dude. joking. Yeah. That's I'm not joking. respectful, yeah. father. It's okay. We all yeah. been there. Cool. So tell us the advice again. Big okay. men become. Big men become big by doing things they don't want to do when they don't want to do them. So kind of like a, um, I don't know, a motto of integrity that sometimes we have to do hard things and you don't want to, but you do them. And when you do, you become maybe if we're talking about like moral things, like more of the person God wants you to be. So Yeah, that's like how virtue works, yeah. right? Yeah, right. <laughs> you attain yeah. virtue through practicing and, it. <laughs> yeah, and in doing things that sometimes are hard and sometimes you'd rather not do. So like our family... We have it posted in our house and all of my siblings do. It's We were raised with it, so... Oh, very cool. Yes. Do you know where it comes from? Yeah, okay, so great-grandma like Katie. Oh. Great-grandma Katie is all we know. She just really? made it up. I mean, or maybe somewhere, but that's all we know of it, so... Who's great-grandma Katie? <laughs> my dad's grandma. I have, like, actually super, super big love in my heart for Mary Magdalene. Yes. Which is who you were talking about at favorite favorite yeah. Bible story. Correct. Um. So... Unpack that a little. What's going on there? Yeah. So I, um, first of all, I always find like ironic humor in the Bible. Yeah. Um, so uh, the visual of Mary crying and Jesus being behind her being like, why are you sad? And her being like, don't you know, they've taken him away. And I do think that I know it's a very dramatic, I always say this like moment, um, of grief for Mary, but I think there was probably a little giggle in Jesus' heart, like, dude, I'm about to rock her world. Right. Um, and so that Watch is this. something, yeah, that I, I love. That uh, humanity of Christ, but also that when he says her name, Mary, Mm -hmm. is this moment of uh, recognition. And I think that tells us just so much about who Jesus is. And um, when we and our hearts get changed is when we understand God's profound, like, knowledge and love of us. It allows us to see him in a deeper way. So, Have you given a retreat talk on that? You think? Maybe a couple times? <laughs> I have because it's something I really... No, yeah, I, I can really, tell. Like, yeah, a little you're retreat, passionate about it. A little retreat it, yeah. called Known. And that's the whole like concept, right? Like being known by God. We are not just like a clump of people. We are individually known and loved. And he yeah. knows our name. So, yeah. Amen. Thanks, for, so cool. thanks for doing uh, rapid fire Thanks with us. for allowing me to. Sorry about the beard thing. Oh. <laughs> Would you be so kind as to jump a little bit into your life? What's God been doing? Yes. Um, you know, he's been busy this year with me. Mm. We are at, um, so I have five small children. My oldest is eight, just turned eight. So my life the past eight years has been a little insane because I have five children and my oldest just turned eight. So um, because of that, I feel like this year has been a year where God has very much, um, told me that he would like to kind of reignite our very personal relationships. So having, 
as many children as I did in such a short amount of time. It's like I'm either pregnant or taking care of a newborn or pregnant again or taking care of a newborn. So it was very easy for my personal faith life to kind of take the back burner as we practice as a family and things like that. So um, this year for the first time and honestly, probably five or six years, like I took a personal retreat, which I haven't done in a really long time. And at that personal retreat, God was very clear that he wants my presence with him. Um, But more than just my presence with him, that he will show me his presence wherever I am, but I need to be present where I am. So I'm somebody that I do a little bit of work in ministry. I have the family. There's just, there's so many things going on and I'm constantly multitasking in my mind. And, and you do a podcast. And I, and I, and I do a podcast. Uh, certifiably Catholic. I was going to say hashtag certifiably Catholic. Yeah. So um, it's my life's busy, you yeah. know, yeah. so it's very normal for me to really be doing four or five things at a time and not giving myself fully to any of those things. Um, so like when I'm with my kids, I'm on my phone emailing. And when I'm, you know, emailing, I'm trying to have a conversation with my husband and prayer, right? Is something I'm like, mm-hmm. I try to be focused, but my phone's right next to me and, and things like that. Yeah. So anyways, I I took this pretty significant retreat where um, God told me really clearly, like, I just need you to be where you're at and to find me in those places. So I'm really trying to make that a practice in my life. Like when I'm with my kids, I am with my kids. And when it is time for me to do like the work ministry stuff, I am a hundred percent there. And when it's time for me to pray, like really carving out that time for prayer and have it be untouchable. And I, I joke, but I mean, for me, it looks like 4.30 in the morning. Like that's when I can pray yeah. mm-hmm. quietly and silently and know that I will not be interrupted. So I've been doing that too, like a discipline in prayer life, which I really haven't had since I began having kids. I'm not saying I didn't pray. I, I didn't right. feel far away from God, but there's a discipline that I've been lacking in the the chaos of my life. And I feel like God's really using that. So, um, and, yeah. And you're like super extroverted. <laughs> well, like, like I think yeah. like Danielle is and I yeah, am, yeah, right? Like three yes. of us right here. Yes. Okay. So this episode is going to be three <laughs> hours long. Let's just keep yeah. talking. But, but I totally relate to yeah. the like, okay, I, I need to be all in on yeah. this one thing. Yes. Cause like pour myself into that and right? not be like trying to see what other 10 things I can do at and once. And it's it's actually like it's a practice. So I yeah. have found that God, so it was maybe February where I really felt that strongly and and had some time before the Lord in adoration to talk to him about that. Um, but since then, it, it's a reoccurring theme. Like I was at a Bible study yesterday and this woman's like, you know, what we need to do is we need to be present to wherever we are. So that's been a big movement of mine, um, which has been good. And then, you know, the other thing I think God is doing is trying to... Uh, sift through the current situation in culture, in church, and raising a family, and coming out as a person of joy and hope, regardless of circumstances that might echo um, despair and sadness. So that's the other thing that has been really big for me, Um, uh, the things that like I can control to make sure that I am a hopeful, joyful person when it seems like in a lot of ways things are crumbling around us, right? Yeah. Sure. So, and you have um, small children. Right. And so the things that I can control, right? Because a lot I can't control, but I can be in our house, we can create a culture of joy. And in our um, faith practice, we can be really intentional about being people of hope. So that's been huge too. So I would say those two things, God is just, it's like constant in my prayer and in the experience. So. Can I ask a question that like, just maybe like for listeners, cause you said God's been telling you this. Yes. Oh, good. How, Yeah. how does God speak? I, and I, and I believe that God speaks to like 
everyone very, very individually. Yes. But like, what does that feel like for you? What does that sound like? Yeah. So I would say a couple of different ways for me. Um, I have a close group of friends that I can talk to very honestly about things. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times their words to me, I think are a mm-hmm. reflection of God's words, but also really quiet prayer and really talking to God honestly. So um, I had a pretty profound experience. God has been good to me in the past year. So I feel like I've had some really intense prayer experiences, but and one where, you know, I was, I was talking to Jesus and I was telling him that I think that it's about time that he comes back, that, that you know, like anytime <laughs> yeah. you're ready, yeah. we are. Yeah. Um, kind of done and, with this whole yeah, world just, right I now. don't see a solution out, so yeah. I would appreciate mm-hmm. you coming back. And like that was my prayer for a little bit, quite a bit of time. And I was saying it to him again and... uh there was a crucifix and his body was exposed in adoration. And I felt really clearly like this movement in my spirit that I don't think came from me where Jesus was like, my work isn't done yet. So stop asking for that because <laughs> like, yeah. mm-hmm. I would ask for it quite often. And so um, when I have a thought like that, that's so foreign to how I'm normally thinking, like mm-hmm. Jesus, come back, Jesus, come back, Jesus, come back. And Jesus, a different thought saying, yeah, it's not done yet. So not yet. So that's how God kind of... Speaks to me. Yeah. Does that make, does that answer oh, yeah. your question? That's awesome. It's tough because sometimes I do in language be like, oh yeah, Jesus told me. And sometimes my husband right. will be like, yeah, Jesus did not tell you <laughs> that you need to have Olga's tonight. <laughs> so, uh-uh. He might have. I'm not going to put it past him. I just, I use that expression a little liberally. <laughs> right. So, yeah, good question. Yeah. So, so, Mary, we'll have a little chance in a bit to talk about witness yeah. and like mm-hmm. what that means. But like, have you always been, uh, would you have always called yourself a disciple of Jesus, a faithful Catholic or? Was there kind of a moment or a time in your life where you grew in that intensity? Sure. I was always engaged in the Catholic faith in some way, shape, or form. So I grew up in a Catholic family. My parents, their number one priority was raising us as, as, you know, faithful Catholics. So um, we went to public school, but my mom did homeschool religion with us every single day. Seton homeschooling. So my yes, That's like the intense stuff. I didn't even get Seton. No, I I was straight up Baltimore catechism, which a lot of people my age don't relate to that, but like... I was, and we had to memorize a lot, all to lead me to the point where in high school, I knew my faith very, very well. Um, But even my parents would say they weren't maybe engaged at a super personal level. So it was a lot of memorization, a lot Mm -hmm. of ritual, all beautiful things. And so being in high school, I was super involved in youth group, and I just thought I knew the faith really well. And that's how I connected was like head knowledge. Like, I can tell you what the church teaches about this. That was my experience of faith. And then I went to a college, Francis University, and I got there. And the thing that kind of separated me that like I knew my faith well, <laughs> it no longer separated me because like mm-hmm. most people that go to Francis University have a, a good uh, understanding of what it means to be Catholic. Sure. And then I looked around campus and I was like, wow, but there's also people here <laughs> that love Jesus. Yeah. And that was a little foreign to me. And so I tell people like I had to work through the four years of college to move my knowledge of who Jesus was in my head, which is a part of discipleship to my heart, which is when you become a follower Mm. of a God who loves you. One of the questions we switched out this year or this season for uh, Rapid Fire was like, who was the first person you met who was like sold out for Jesus? I I love that question. I don't know. I want to ask you. I'm obsessed with that question that you guys ask people. And I would say it was when I was in college, I met someone my first two weeks. His name is Paul. And uh, yeah, and I met him and I had never met a person who 
loved Jesus and just lived it like radically by the way that he talked. He was constantly praying, but like a lifestyle, like he'd just have his Bible on him and be like, hey, this is what God says about that. Like in normal conversation. It wasn't phony Not or at all. it wasn't forced, right? Well, and like crazy authentic. So he was also known for being like this wild guy on campus and... um. Uh, God saw fit to make us like the best of friends. And he really taught me a lot, like Mm -hmm. really just lived his faith uh, in a radical, radical way. And God called him home four or five years ago. And it's it's really cool because there's nobody that I've ever met, like including like grandparents who I love and things like that, that I'm confident is in heaven. I'm Mm -hmm. certain my friend Paul is. Like I know he lived Jesus fully here on earth. So, And one of your babies is named after him, right? She is. And it's she, uh, my daughter, my third, um, I'm sorry, my fourth child. Her name is Malia Paul. I thank you for this part of your testimony. Thank you so much. Thanks for letting me share that. All right, Mary, we're going to talk to you about marker 9.3. So the whole nine section of uh, the guidepost is about Encounter, Grow, Witness. But we thought you'd be a great person to have a, conver- have a conversation with about witness. Mm. Like, what does it mean to witness mm. your faith? And, like, we were just talking earlier about your friend Paul yeah. who lived that out. Like, right. what was attractive about his witness uh, to you? Yeah, that's such a good question. And, you know, I talk about him sometimes and I uh, talk about why he impacted me so much. Mm-hmm. When I, we, we do youth retreats and when we do youth retreats, uh, there's always a segment that we do about Paul's life. And um, I think it was his authentic love of the Lord and his authentic love of other people. So it wasn't a show. Uh, it wasn't um, polished, right? Mm. Like he was mm. a very dirty man and he did crazy things. Like he just, he was wild. <laughs> mm. Did he have red but, hair? Uh, he did actually. Oh, Look at that. Wow. Change life. Yeah. Did he have a beard? He did at many times. Wow. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry right, about but- the beard thing. See, now Paul's mad at me in heaven. Um, no, but uh, there was a re- something really authentic about the way that he lived yeah. his life, and it was super attractive, but also challenging. Like, I was challenged by him all of the time when we mm-hmm. would be together, and, you know, somebody would be slipping into a conversation that wasn't kind about another person. Right. He would never be like, cut it out right now. Like, you shouldn't talk about... He wouldn't scold. Yeah. He would get visibly uncomfortable and he would leave the room. Like, he would just not be around that. And then later on, and he's did it to me so many times, he'd sit me aside and be like, I don't get why you talk about people that way. Mm. Like, he would point out my own inconsistency, but in a gentle way. Because if people aren't gentle with me, I can't receive it, you know? Mm. Um, but But even him being gentle was like... Hey, Mary, you're called to something yes, more than that. Right. Like, yes. like that's such an important part yes. of witness is, I, I mean, to see your what right. you're lacking right. in in this right. saint or right. this other person. Well, right? and it's crazy too because one thing that um, I've talked to friends about, a fear of mine is death, even though I am like a practicing active Catholic that believes in the afterlife. Like I think about how scary those last few minutes mm-hmm. would be. And in my last visit with Paul, it was really, really cool because I got an opportunity to ask him, like, because we were praying for a miracle, but it was... And he was ill. Crazy ill. Yeah. Um, they had found out he had cancer like a week early. So they found out he had cancer and he died uh, before a month, right? So it was this crazy fast process. So we knew that cancer was all over his body. So I had said to him, I was like, you know, are you scared? Like, what are you thinking? And his wife was sitting next to him and he's like, you know... I'm praying for a miracle and I believe God can do it. And I was like, me too. And then he said, and this is when you talk about witness, he said, but if God wants something different, I'm okay with that too. 
Wow. And he said, I've lived my whole life trusting God. Like, I'm not going to stop now. And I think about if I was sitting like in a hospital, he had four babies. His wife was pregnant six months pregnant. I'd be like, what are you thinking, God? Like, right. my, you know, and he just wasn't. Like, he had a sense of calm. Like, I will do what God wants me to do. And that... um profoundly witnessed to me being somebody that's like, I'd be so scared at the moment of death (laughs) to look at my friend who lived such an intimate uh, unity with Christ that he's like, I I trust him. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to stop trusting him now. So um, yeah, his his witness has been significant in my life. Mm -hmm. Danielle, I think about witness as like, it's easier to point to examples than to like try to break open the whole, uh, like to define it piece by piece, even this section, this marker is kind of small, right? So I just think about witnesses in my life who have helped me know Jesus or have, have shown me that. I think of like, Father Patrick Ganyo. Father Patrick. so great. We should get him on here. A hundred percent through and through though. Like the most authentic person you're with Mm -hmm. him and you're like, ah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Who else you got? Uh, You know, I had a professor in college, Dr. Monica Miller. I don't know if either of you know her. her, Like super pro-life advocate, but just like I always felt challenged by her. Mm. And I think that's one of the things, you know, I try to not be a jerk, but <laughs> but but when I'm witnessing to the faith, I do try to make it like the joy that Jesus brings and the joy that comes with surrendering uh, to Him. And she was yes. someone in my life who who really kind of held that up that there's something worth giving up part of your life for, mm, yeah, um, because Jesus is worth it, and whatever we give to Him is going to be returned in spades to us here, ultimately in eternity. Who who in your life? Danielle, would Gosh. you point to? I, I Other than to, me. I, <laughs> Clearly. Father Steve That's a given. That is I my met humility. him when I yeah. was in college. He's just like a beacon. Yes. Um, anyway, jumping in to a few things that I just really want to hit with you guys. Yeah. Our goal is to extend the kingdom of God on earth by making the world a place where Christ is A, known, and B, loved. Questions mm. for you guys. How do we make Christ A, known, that's like a big question, like personal level, family level. You have a family, church yes. level. How do we make Christ known? Yep. And then how do you make him loved? Because I feel like that's just like a whole nother step. And you had those two steps yeah. in your life. Yeah. That's interesting because I feel like um, if, again, I'm going to use the word, but if people are authentically, if they have an opportunity to authentically know Christ, they will love him. Like yeah. I, if they authentically know him, right? So, um, but it's it's how do we make him known? Right. I think we have to become him. Like it's very, I mean, we have to, we have to die to ourselves and we have to live in the person of Christ. And that's when this word witness I yeah. think, actually takes hold. That's, I mean, that's, that's how I kind of view it. The yeah. church, I remember being in college and there's um, one of the church documents and I can't talk about witness without bringing up this line. Do it. Because it is so uh, important in my life, but it's from Evangelii Nuziandi and it's, it says that people are more willing to li- listen to witnesses than to teachers. And if they listen to teachers, it's only because they are witnesses, right? Hmm. And I remember hearing that in college being like, uh, yeah, that's my whole life. <laughs> that's my whole life. Yeah. Is yeah. I, I know who Jesus is because of the people I have met, yeah. not because... I was taught to memorize questions in Seton homeschooling on religion, right? right? That didn't help me know Jesus. It taught me a lot about the church, and I am raising my kids that way. They are knowing their faith in this really, um, I think, solid way, right? Mm-hmm. But hopefully, they're also learning who Jesus is through the way that I'm uh, loving them, maybe, and loving my husband, 
Yeah. <laughs> That's so challenging though. Like I think about that. I think about talking to my kids about God's love and then getting really angry at their dad, right? And using yeah. words that are not love thing. Um, what are we showing people? Because and I think the more we the more we connect to the person of Christ, the more we become like the person of Christ, the more we can introduce him to other people. I think words have very little to do with it. Mm-hmm. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think we have to become Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we, me first in line, that we're super good at it. And I think that's why people will, I'm going to say it, often go to Catholic churches and say, I went there, but I didn't see Jesus anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like I know people that have said that. I left the church because I couldn't find Jesus there. Oh, and we know the Eucharist, right? Right. But they're not seeing Jesus in the way that we maybe treat each other and love each other. So, Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts. You know, when I think of witness, just thinking in the archdiocese, how I see this or or how like how I see it lived out really well cuz I think we we have challenges like yeah. it, it's a hard thing to do yeah. right. it comes after encounter and grow right it comes after I've met him and like decided like okay he's my lord yeah <laughs> and now I'm going to be formed by him now right. I want to bring him to others yeah. um one of the things I think about is uh is sacrifice that sacrifice is such a, f- a constitutive part of witness because the values of Christ are not the values of the world. Hmm. And to live that as a priest, as a as a lay person, kind of anywhere, it's going to cause sacrifice. You talk about getting up at 4.30 right, in the morning right, 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 right. To, to pray. Like yeah. That's one area, right? Sending your kids to Catholic school. And mm-hmm. I know not everyone's able to do that, right? right. So the, it's not a judgment on those who don't. But right. like I, I think about <laughs> – I think yeah. about like I'm one of 10 in my family mm-hmm. and the sacrifice my parents Insane. made – to send us to Catholic right. school or the sacrifices they made to say like, no, you're not going to do that because that's not what, those aren't our values, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. they had to sacrifice their kids being mad at them yep. or, um, you know, maybe their own social status. Mm-hmm. And um, so for me, like being, that's where I see witness most powerful, where I see like someone willing to kind of pay the price of discipleship. Uh, so uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's kind no, of a negative on, way to okay. put it, but like that's what I'm like. Okay, this is real, right? This isn't just words we're kind of throwing around or empty sentiment. This is real. And like that sacrifice piece, I have to say this because that I'm you're not going to believe where I'm going to go with this. Okay, but I'm ready. It for is it now. A, attractive to people, and it is moving to people when they see mm-hmm. them sacrifice. I we just went as a family to go see the movie Endgame. The uh, what is it? Is, is it Marvel? The- Avengers, Avengers, Marvel Avengers, Avengers okay. movie. Didn't see it, and, but I'm sure oh, it was. But I, a lot of people loved it. I feel like I might have to throw a spoiler, but I'll be real gentle about it. It's Go okay. You it. know okay. what? At this point, Great. it's pretty late in the game. There is a person in the movie that makes a choice, like he has to go save the world. Oh, dang. But his family's in really great shape, and he doesn't want to leave his family because he's like, yeah, I could save all of humanity, but that means my child won't have a parent. Mm. <laughs> right. And yet he chooses to, and he ultimately ends up dying. It was so beautiful to open that up with my kids because hmm. I said, what did he do and how is that like Jesus? I think that tying into that, um, what what you are saying, tie, like what Father Steve said, tied into what you said mm. and, and how you become more like Christ yeah. is you die to yourself. Oh, and so I, um, dude, another three dog North quote that blew my mind. <laughs> yes. This guy was talking about dying to what we thought our life was going to be even, Right. Whoa. And um, I was just at 
your uh, your patroness maybe uh, your your patroness is probably like Mary Mother of God, but you talked about Mary Magdalene, yes, yeah, so I'm yeah, gonna like yeah, go great. in that direction. It's great, go for it. Yeah, Cathedral of Mary Magdalene in Salt Lake City. Oh, incredible, yeah. loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. But they um, the lady was talking about the like there were like images of martyrs holding the laurels, like you know how martyrs are shown with like the green palms. Yeah, and she said the reason that they were shown that way in art history is because when Romans succeeded in battle, they would come back carrying palm branches showing Mm. that they were victorious. So the reason that the martyrs are shown carrying palm branches is because sin and death were not able to triumph over them. I have goosebumps all over right now. I really do. Right? Yeah. And so I was like, I was just thinking about that as you guys were talking about what this looks like. And and martyr means witness, right? right? This ultimate witness. Like I'll sacrifice my life for this thing, like this message. Right, right. Yeah, there's a line in the breviary from uh, the Liturgy of the Hours, we pray as priests and religious, um, from the book of Revelation that says, love for life did not deter them from death, right? So that like the martyr, and talking about the martyrs, the martyrs aren't people who hated life. They loved life, right? right? They loved all the good of this world. But they love Jesus first and foremost. Yeah. And that's why they're the witnesses. That's right. what martyr means, right? Yeah. The, the witness for us. And well, and there's that profound piece too that, that's noted in the marker, right? Yeah. From the, the, the document. And it love brings it. up joy, right? Because sacrifice and um, being willing to die to self, if you do it without a spirit of joy... Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's almost for nothing, right? Because, and the joy comes from the source that you know that the more you're willing to sacrifice and become like Christ, you turn into him, you remember what he did for you, and that is a source of joy, right? And so uh, and I think there's Saint that Paul. piece too, right? St. Paul to, like to the Corinthians, right? Like if I give my life over to be burned, but I don't have love or yes. if I'm not filled with joy, yes. it ain't nothing. Exactly. That's so there's that piece too. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a really great <laughs> translation. Yeah, that seems super accurate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just free translating the it's Greek here. So. I'm obsessed. I love that. You know what? Um, as we kind of like draw things to a close, what yeah. we usually ask is uh, for like a word or yeah. prayer from you yeah. for our listeners. Do you have something that you would like to to say to our listeners in closing? You know, so I guess I would say that um, one thing that I, again, that I've done in my own life is is that that church document of people are more willing to listen to witnesses than to teachers. If they only listen to teachers, it's because they are witnesses. And uh, that's a real challenge to me um, to examine what my life looks like and what I am witnessing to the world, right? So um, if you go to Mass every Sunday, good, you're supposed to. That's what we're supposed to do. Uh, actively engage in the sacraments, awesome. You should be doing that. You need them. Um, what does your life look like? What would your kids say about you? What would your spouse say about you? What would uh, the people on the street say about you, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, asking or praying for God to turn us into what we say, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> turn us into that. So if we uh, if we say God is love, turn us into love. Turn us into joy. Turn us into those things. Um, so maybe that is something that we can all pray with as we think about what it means to witness, because there is an element where we have to ask God to give us the spirit to do that, to be witnesses. Amen. And we need them in the church, right? Mm-hmm. Like we need witnesses oh, and yeah. we need them in Detroit and it's happening. Can't you see it happening? Yeah. Like it's so cool because God's doing it through unleash the gospel, through the whole movements of our archbishop. Like we're becoming a different place because of what people are willing to witness. Thanks, Thanks be to God. What a fun gathering with Mary Wilkerson to hear how God is working in her life, calling her to witness. 
and putting people in her life who are challenging her to live her faith more deeply and share it more freely. And once again, before we say goodbye, if you liked this episode, please share it with your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, your Trader Joe cashier. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at Open Door Detroit. Help us unleash the gospel. Open Door Policy was produced by Ron Pangborn and the creative team of the Archdiocese of Detroit. You're going to have to be funny a little. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> I don't do well like, under pressure. <laughs> make me laugh. I'm Father Steve Polis with Danielle Center. And this has been another episode of Open Door Policy. Open Door Policy.